0: Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. I'm Wade Reed. I'm Aaron Pescucci, and this week we're going to have a really fun conversation about coffee branding. It is a topic that, you know, I think we've uh, run up against quite a few times. Our only regular segment is really about coffee branding, the coffee bag reader. So uh, we're going to focus in, do a little more of an intentional conversation. How you been since last I saw you, Aaron? It's been a,
1: it's been a little, it's been a week. I think yeah. it's best to say my coffee consumption has gone up quite a bit. Tell everyone why. It's uh there's a new career starting. Yeah. So <laughs> out of the classroom for over four years and diving right back in there. So, you know, like your everyday teacher there, coffee mug is rolling. Yeah. Keep it
0: full. Keep okay. it full. Don't ever don't ever find yourself without. That's awesome. Uh so let's jump in on this conversation because I think this is the kind of conversation that it, it goes a lot of different directions, and we're going to try to keep it as tight as we can. But I want to start with just like a really general conversation about branding. Like, you know, I'm a theologian by trade, so I'm going to start 30,000 feet, right? Like start way up. What is
1: branding? Like how do how do we define it? So I'm going to be interested to hear what you say because I'm approaching it from a, a completely visual-oriented guy diving into the arts there.
0: Yeah, so like the visual, the arts. So my favorite branding quote is your brand is every experience someone has with your company. So whether you consider this branding or brand experience, you know, and I know some people do make that distinction and, and, and that's a fair distinction to make. Um, it basically amounts to the space a company occupies in public, the space a company occupies in the lives of its customers, the ways they try to claim that space and then the responses it drives and who it drives a response from. So it seems like for like to me, In coffee, we talk a lot about like the mediums, the ways people try to claim space. For sure. And way less about like what it is they're saying, what it is they're trying to like the content of the message gets very lost in in talk of like all the cool things people are doing with their branding.
1: So what do you what do you think of that, Aaron? I mean, I think that's all of that's true to a point. Um, I when you brought that up, I was trying to tease out the differences there and I could think of a, a few different examples of where. I thought there was a big difference um, between the two. Um, And but at the same time, you're you can't take away that experience portion from any company at all, because there's definitely some companies with great branding out there, but the experience portion of it is just terrible.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. So like it looks nice and then you get really excited about it and then something about the something about. About when you actually like
1: order the coffee or when you actually drink the coffee, it's like
0: something's not connecting.
1: Now, I don't know one specifically, but I remember that there was a coffee brand I was super excited to try. I had gone to their website, beautiful website, nice scrolling features, excellent logo. You know, their merch looked amazing. It was stuff you wanted to wear and it didn't look, it didn't have that standard coffee, you know, methodology to it. There was no, you know, tulips on it. It was just all about that coffee brand. So, of course, I bought the hoodie, you know, got the coffee mug, and then got the coffee. Wah-wah. Yeah. Something. <laughs> One it of was, these things
0: is not like the others. Like, they, they put a lot of care into the website, and then they put a lot of care into the hoodie, and then they put a lot of care into the mug, and then... It just failed. Something was uh, something was missing. Yeah. So, I think I think it's important just to tease that out, that, like, there is a story and a message, and a way of communicating that coffee brands are aiming for. But then there's a totally different narrative that develops when people receive that from them and actually have an experience. So I
1: really want to talk about, as we go on, those two different levels. For sure. Because the other thing I can say is there's a ton of companies that go out there. They have minimal branding. They don't advertise a ton. But they're so well-known, and they provide that top-notch experience, that it's known as a brand itself almost. Sure. So rounding out, uh, sorry, producer Chris Lindstrom over here at
2: the, at the main microphone over here. Um, but, uh, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about branding because I think it's people get lost with the term. Sometimes when you're talking about branding, it is the whole experience, right? Because it's not just your visuals. It's not just everything else. So, I think philosophically, I've taken branding to be, in the end, it's are you delivering on everything that you're conveying to your customer? And that's when when branding is successful is you've promised something with the way you've portrayed it to your customer, to the public, to the discerning, you know, to your discerning clientele, to your less discerning clientele. To, you know, enthusiasts, it doesn't matter. But you've provided them a feeling and or messaging or written things of what they should expect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. With
2: their experience. And the goal is to deliver on what you're promising them. And you don't have to write it to promise them something. It, exactly that.
0: Exactly that.
2: Because you're promising them in a certain kind of experience. And although some of the experiences might not be for me, You know, some people have a huge desire to go into a classic second wave coffee shop and get your flavored syrups and do this thing. And that's exactly the experience they want. That place delivers it. They have delivered on the branding and the promise of their intent as a business and your intent as a customer. But the messaging sometimes gets lost in these glossy images of, oh, this is what a specialty coffee shop looks like. Instead of focusing on who are we, what are we doing, and why are we doing it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a good time to step forward into our next like, slightly more specific conversation I'm, about...
1: And I'm going to throw one yeah, thing go in for real it. quick. Because one of the big things that I figure about branding is it's not just the experience. It's not just what they're trying to convey you know, through their experience and related to their imagery. It's all about identification, too. Like there's a ton of stuff that branding goes into that you just want to know what it is. You just want your customers or your potential customers to recognize it. And, you know, coming from a graphics background, one of the things you look at with developing a logo is exactly that. So, you know, you might design something for a company and it's going to be a great image and it's going to be recognizable. You don't know what the rest of that experience is going to be there for them. Yeah, but the definitely. customer is going to know exactly what they're buying, at least from who. That's why I should say, from who they're buying it.
0: Definitely. And you wanna be like iconic. You wanna to create touch points, things that the second they see it, they start associating like the reputation that you've created for your product in in that audience. Yep, so. exactly. So if we go on to, let's talk about some of the most common aspects of coffee branding because I think this is where the conversation starts to get interesting and we get into some of what Chris was saying. So coffee brands find a lot of ways to take up space in public and the lives of their customers. And the first is like obviously actual space, right? Every element of a coffee shop's layout expresses brand identity. We could point to a lot of other common branding elements. There's media such as bag design, merch, which is usually like clothing, Mugs, sometimes like some really specific coffee equipment. There's social media and digital ads. And a lot of the messages coming from these coffee brands center on a few simple, simple themes, right? Like quality, sustainability, equity, or altruism, like our coffee is doing good in the world. There's like just this fun element that a lot of coffee brands have. And then there's like kind of the general branding fodder of like seasonality. There are a lot of tropes in coffee. There are a lot of pop culture references. So I want to look... If we break down some of these elements, like Chris was saying, you know, you walk into a second wave shop, maybe you see the wall of syrups and maybe that communicates something really specific about that brand. But Aaron, for you, what element of cafe layout communicates
1: the most about a brand to you? I think there's, there's a couple aspects to that that I think people can relate to. First of all, it's just the overall impression of you walk through the door. You know, you can see coffee shops pop up in a lot of weird places. And so the outside of the building can be a very deceiving sometimes. Absolutely. And other times it's appropriate. And so when you walk in, that experience isn't shocking is the best way, but it seems nice. Um, so, you know, with the layout, there's a couple of things I noticed. I'm remembering back uh, when I went into Sightglass they had a building and their roaster was dead center and they had a bar that went around it. So the whole layout was centered around the roaster. Right. And it was then very rustic. And I just remember it centered on me that the whole idea was about the coffee itself. Not really about the, really the brand there. They were letting it speak. Um, now their logo was awesome, but I also not about the customer. It. Right.
2: Right. This no, is that, about, it's about s- this roaster. <clears throat> yeah. The place was not, Forward on your comfort. I've been there myself. Yeah. I remember being, you know, the coffee was the focus. And like, no, that thing over there, that's not open right now. You can come back another time and get that. You can come in and get your special your specialty coffee. We're open for like two hours a day. You can come in then and get that. Sure. Yeah. We don't care about that. We're we're roasting it and you can buy it there or you can get the regular coffee. Maybe you can come back later and get the special stuff. Yeah. But they, they there's a very specific vibe about that place, but you're right, the roaster dictates that space in a way that very few places are dictated by the roaster as much as sight classes. And
1: it uh and that smell was more permeable than oh, other for places. Sure. Like you get a coffee smell, but it was just pervasive when you were walking down the road there. Yeah, definitely. Nothing like it. The other thing I'd compare it to is Wade suggested chromatic. Um I did write a little write up on the my coffee shop visit there, and the the big conclusion— That's on our sub stack. <laughs> Shout out to our our own Substack.
0: Level up WNY (laughs) on Substack. Um, Check it out. And
1: please, if you read into it, I had a hard time kind of tease that out. I had a great experience there. Um, But one of of my takeaways was there was they had not a ton of effort put into their branding at all. And their coffee shop was literally about the deliverable product. What was in your cup was what they wanted to translate to you, what was in their bag. The roaster was kind of tucked away in a corner almost, um, and you could see it you know, but it was not front and center so but they have beautiful bags, they have beautiful heat stamped bags so I do I mean, you could look at this was the other one I wanted to bring up was Goshen I mean look at the the amount of money those bags must cost makes me angry. a little. Those boxes like the, the, yeah,
0: the ones with all the reflective, the lines the eyes, all that kind of thing. Like, yeah, that stuff is
1: from, from a graphic standpoint, you guys nailed it. That's incredible. I just want to stare at it, but could you make your coffee a little cheaper for me? That'd be awesome. Chris, didn't you get one (laughs) of those boxes
0: when ugly duck was carrying Goshen? Oh yeah. I got,
2: I got one of the, uh, yeah, it was, uh, one of their even special releases. This was their, their, their gesture release at the time. Um, great, great coffee. Um, I've had the pleasure and uh, privilege of having a number of you know, those you know, those source coffees in the past. And that was certainly a very high-quality version of that. But that box was, you know, when you're in the shop, you're like, oh, they're doing something. Like, I, this, is, this is in a, uh, so we had, uh, we had purchased this from a, a multi-roaster, so they're bringing in stuff from all over the country. And getting a chance, the experience you have with the brand is the bag. And tasting it. So I get to taste it on espresso or on, on batch brew, and then I have to make a choice based on what I tasted and what they're portraying on their bags. I mean, that's why the bag segment's been so interesting. Coffee Bag Reader's been great because we get to really talk about sometimes that is your impression. You're exactly. walking in a store, you're doing that, and it matters a lot. Um, and uh, the the one I was going to bring up uh, recently is uh, Travel. Travel. So we're talking about branding. It's finding a place to go to. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we're doing searches, right? We're looking on Google Maps. We're searching specialty coffee on Google Maps. That's what we all do. And then you have to make your judgments based on their branding on where to go.
1: Well, and what sometimes
2: did, yeah, what's shown on what's shown on the pictures, where what does it look like? The what's customer this?
1: customer photos too. That speaks a lot to what's going on there. For sure. Um,
2: so, you know, and that's always colors. Where do we do? Where do we go? Um, but yeah, that's, I bought that box partially because it was a stunning box. I it, mean, it yeah, stands yeah. out.
0: Like it doesn't yeah. matter what roaster you put on that shelf. You put that box up there it's and it's, everything. Going, you want to know about it.
1: Yeah, no definitely, definitely. I have to say the one thing that I've been burned by that, cause you buy that box and your expectations are through the roof oh, with yeah. what that thing is presenting. For sure. So, you know, you can set yourself up for failure as a roaster by doing that. Definitely. So this,
0: this gets into another question I had, um, when we get these beautiful boxes, we get these Gesha coffees, we get these really special things. Um, how does the money we spend and the price of that bag or that cup, you know, like the $200 cup of coffee, whatever that we've, we've talked about before, how does that relate to branding? Cause brands can gain a lot of attention and notoriety just by charging some exorbitant amount for a, a cup or a bag and we've, like I said, we've talked about it. It's certainly not always the case, but how much of that is just a play for attention? Is just branding. It's just like, listen, we're gonna jack, the, we're gonna drive the price up on this, and that's so we hit our margins. But it's also like we know Sprudge is gonna write the article, or our local paper, or our local, you know, whatever um, uh, TV news is gonna go. Oh, you're charging how much for a cup of coffee? Why is that? And do you think brands are using? that kind of flexibility we have now in specialty coffee where we can drive those prices up and we know there's a market for
1: it do you think they're using that as a as a branding tool oh for sure i think that's what we've talked about in the past is specialty coffee is becoming like the wines and beers out there that it's going to be a, an elevated delicacy the I remember bags used to be twelve dollars when I remember started buying, and that was a lot back then. And now you're looking at upwards of twenty, sometimes into the thirty dollars range. Yeah, twelve is
0: like my cheapest wholesale pound, right. and <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah,
1: and I have trouble even like convincing myself that it's worth spending more than that these days. Now I love it, and I do, but um, you is know, it? Are you saying that's because? You feel like it's being used as a tool?
0: It's not like necessarily as authentic as you'd like?
1: I think in some cases it totally is. Now, you, you'll know more about the supply chain stuff than I do because you're working with the importers and buying your own coffee there. So, you know, you can speak to the actual prices and what the markup is needed to, you know, make a profit on there, which is needed there. But, you know, you look at a lot of things out there and you wonder just how much of it is the price tag on it. So, you know, you can go to your buddy at work and say, "Oh, look at this coffee I have," and if they're none the wiser, then they assume that it's got to be much better and that you're better off, you've got better p- taste, that sort of thing's going on.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think there's there's something to be said for that. So I'm going to bring up a couple examples specifically because, um, you know, through my travels all around the country, coffee is how I experience cities. Because going to different neighborhoods, you know, coffee shops are in all the different neighborhoods of a city, and it forces you to really start to understand what what is the city all about uh, by going to a place. Um, So I spent a lot of time in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, going to the coffee shops was my entree into learning about the city. Uh, So one of the shops I went to often was Interval Coffee, uh, I believe before it was went to Pilcrow. So this is one of the... I'd say the higher end specialty coffee shops in the city, but a place where I, at more than once, bought ten dollar cups of coffee, sure uh, yeah. from that place. And this is a place that was known for they were bringing in, um, they are bringing in you know big uh, was it Medal of Excellence some Cup, Cup of, of Excellence, excellence. yeah they're bringing excellence. in Cup of Excellence coffees you know they're you know they're bringing these you know uh, you know specific varietals and processes and everything else. And they were charging accordingly, but it was a place where I brought it to work and I'm like, yeah, I'm drinking $10 coffee today in a paper cup <laughs> because I had to go to work. Right. So I'm yep. drinking 10, $12 pour over coffees, um, bringing it to my day job um, in the factory. Sure. Uh, but that's how I was experiencing the city was by going, visiting all those places. Um, you know, Toronto, same kind of thing. You know, there's was this uh, place called third, uh, third Wave Coffee, very creative name. Very creative. Uh, I don't
0: know how they came up with that.
1: It's but, gonna stand out now.
2: Yeah, but a but a tremendous shop. But it's the same thing. Like, if you were searching for a place in Toronto and you ran across, you're like, oh, that's kind of boring. That's kind of yeah. generic. When you go in, the guy's dynamic. He's passionate. He cares about everything he's doing. The shop is the brand. The coffee is the brand. The personality is the brand. The name doesn't really hit what their expectations are and what everything else is, and they were bringing in beautiful coffees and they charge accordingly for sure. And I've had I think I had eight dollar nine dollar Canadian coffees there, which not that much in American, but still. Um, Then Philadelphia, same kind of thing, you know, going and experiencing some of these shops, and you know, before where you're talking about some of the locations, some were in the office uh, in office buildings, and they're in the lobby of office buildings. Yeah, Yeah. Yep. The experience, the coffee might be great, but if you go to one of the other shops, you have a whole different feeling about your experience with exactly. that company yep. than you would have otherwise. So I'm talking about all these different versions of experience where, yes, I'm okay going and buying those expensive coffees. That is the vibe they're trying to push off. But it also is a hook. For me, it's a hook. Yeah, I want right. to go there because I want to say, How do you justify selling me that coffee? Is it that good? Yeah, yeah. And it's a challenge to me to taste it and say, did you give me that value? Did you give me that? But that's me. That's me as a consumer. But they sold me on that right away.
1: And I got to chime in here. They knew that. Because uh, my most recent experience down in LA ran into uh, The Boy and the Bear and brought home some stuff from here. This is a shop I hadn't heard of. Saw it on the corner and... It was a coffee shop. We didn't know what we were getting into when we walked in. Um, my experience there, and I think I've got a write-up that's coming out on this, because it was it was super interesting. Um, first of all, there was a biker club out front. Love so, that already. So, right. so, yeah, there's a biker club out front, and this has got to be like 8 o- eight in the morning. You know, it might have been a Sunday. It might have been a Tuesday. You know, it's not a, a very traveled weekend day there. And then... The storefront had this very modern look, all black, gold accents, you know, nice rustic uh, fencing for their seating area. And you walk in, same thing, pretty stark, modern, leather. Figured, okay, this is a nice third wave shop. Coffee's decent. Come home and start researching the brand. They've got different stores there, different theme stores. Right. Well, and I think that's Weren't the thing
0: they, is... Wait, but they were by color, right? Like a,
1: yes, yeah, they yeah. were by hold color. On, oh, hold on, hold on. Okay. I knew there was more to this. I wanna. And I forget one of them. I think one of them was orange. Yeah, yeah. And the other one was white. So like completely different. Yes. Like
0: the ability to present entirely Ooh. different aesthetics and still like a really good specialty shop. Ooh. It's like a really modular and strange way to approach that, but I'm like, I would love to to hit them all in one day and just see
1: you know yes. what that would that be. That would like. be the, I think they're space pretty far apart too, which is the other thing. So I don't think you could really make the drive from one to the other. I'd have to check the, uh, the distances on those. Yeah. But. It's probably
2: like three miles apart and it's going to take you 45 <laughs> yeah, minutes exactly. to drive. Yeah.
0: Well in LA. Yeah. You'd, you'd be better off walking it for sure. Um, if, if it's but yeah, not,
2: that's, I, but those are the kind of concepts that, you know, as you're making your travels, you can see these things and you're like, it expands your idea of what an experience can be. Yeah. Um, but that's all intentional, right? So we're, we're talking about intention with, with branding and they're creating this, you know, this excitement, this mystery almost with, hey, what is this side of this about? What is this side about? What are we, what's going on here? But that's when we're talking about exemplary branding, that's somebody that said, oh, we're not just going to give you what we think you want. We're going to give you hey, we're going to get put you on a ride. Yeah, exactly. We're going to drive have options
0: you. and Yeah, yeah. And like you might be used to the white shop, the orange shop. And then one day you're in the neighborhood of the black shop. Oh, I love that coffee. And it's
1: totally, a totally different. different. Yeah, what totally the, different vibe. What if the people were totally different too?
0: Oh, I'm sure like they... The, it, I mean, I, I kind of hope that they have enough
1: like standards company-wide that it wouldn't be, but like, but yeah. Like, you could go far with that. What sense. if like uniform, they had a uniform for each shop? So like one was totally boho and the other one was like ties and ties and dress shirts all over.
0: Well, just, I mean, next time you're in LA, you got to hit all three. I'm going to hit
1: all A. It's on the, it's on the list now. I got to bring up one other thing because this totally relates. I was online years ago and I saw this thing. It was the best branding I'd ever seen. And you're all going to know it now. It was a can of water called liquid death.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and It's astonishing how amazing that brand is.
1: It was incredible, and I brought it home. I had it shipped, and my wife opened up the box, and she goes, what is this? I said, it's water. She goes, no, it's not. She goes, how much did you spend on this? I said, I don't know, but I had to pay the the graphics guys who did this because it's incredible.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to, um, to uh, Dave Infante's podcast on uh, – he does a beer-related one called uh, – uh, tap Lines through Vine pear. And it's a great show if you're interested in learning about uh, the history, even modern history of beer. But he was talking to some of the brand owners, talking to uh, PBR. So the person who was involved in branding PBR at the time and branding Liquid Death. And those people, they, they hit something that grabbed the public. Yeah. Right? That grabbed everybody in a way that... If you just serve them a can of water, it's not going to do the job. Yeah. And it's not that it's not going to be refreshing. It's a can of water. It's delicious. Who cares? Sure. But they hit this moment, and when you hit that moment with everything you've got to give, you're giving them this whole concept, and then look at... The power of Liquid Death now—it's one of the most recognizable brands in the country.
1: Yeah, and and you go to concert venues and everything—they don't serve anything else now. You want right. water? It's Liquid Death or nothing.
2: Yeah, but that's that's what we're talking about. But that that's branding
0: too—creating that iconography and creating that touch point and really like taking up that specific space—concert yeah. venues, the specific space of like a canned water.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like what an idea! Uh, That's gonna bring us right into the next.
0: We one really too. gotta, yeah, we really gotta move on.
1: I'm Matt Knotts,
2: and I'm Chris Lindstrom, and we are the co-founders of the Lunchador Podcast Network, your home for amazing and wide-ranging podcasts in Rochester, with shows like
1: Anomaly Presents, Behind the Glass, The Level Up Coffee Podcast. Punches and Popcorn, Just Can't Not, and of course, Food About Town, we celebrate the people, places, and things that make Rochester a fantastic place to live.
2: We have more shows joining the network soon and offer remote and in-person recordings and video, too. We're excited to bring distinct and diverse voices together on one network.
1: Follow Lunchador on social media to catch new episodes as soon as they release and stay tuned for exciting news about new shows and how to support them. Lunchador, celebrating Rochester's Rochester's creativity through the the magic of podcasting.
0: We're going to smoosh these next two topics together uh, as much as we can. But uh, with so many ways to build a coffee brand, like it's a a legitimate question. How many, like how so many end up looking the same? Because they really do. 100%. There are so many tropes. There are so many just common design elements. So
1: let's take a look at a story of two coffee brands who may look a little too similar. And I'm going to throw this one to Aaron. So in uh, my little research, just looking over coffee branding, first of all, Sprudge comes up and they've got an archive and uh, there are awards for best designs. And here and there, quite interesting. There's a ton of stuff to digest there. So go take a look at that.
0: Yeah, read everything that Zach Cadwell-Ladder has ever written. Um, Only take a couple
2: minutes.
1: (laughs) Years. And I'm not sure where I saw this. Um, It might have been in an ad, but it was... uh, Death Wish Coffee, which, you know, anytime Death Wish Coffee is in the news, I got to see what's going on with them. Um, this was a situation in which they are suing another brand over their logo. Um, Death Death Before Decaf is this brand. It's out of Australia. Um, everybody should know the Death Wish logo. They also nailed that. It's super recognizable. No doubt. Now, your branding with that experience might be different, but... Um, so let me describe Death Wish. if you haven't seen it. We should put this photo in the notes or at least link to the article there. Um, Death Wish has a standard skull and crossbones in a circle. It says Death Wish along the rocker on the top, coffee kill on the bottom, and there are two coffee beans between the words on the left and right side. Nothing outrageously creative, but does fit the brand. Correct. It's, it's straightforward
2: to the point, and so is their intent as a brand.
1: Yep. You pass it right over. You know, you know what it is. You can kind of guess what they're going for there. Um, now, this "Death Before Decaf" logo is arguably as equally creative. Maybe um, it's got the two uh, porta filter handles uh, crossed and a skull up on top, and then this harkens back to one of Wade and I's favorite, you know, design themes: the cross with oh, the X elements on each of the Ooh. four segments there. Gone mm-hmm. uh, to death. So you got literally in this situation <laughs> um, and then you've got some nice um, flash style letters D on the left and right. And then in the bottom segment, you got your B.
0: Yeah. Kind of like uh, insane clown posse letters. Oh, that's what it makes me think.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I got to say it's, you know, I a hundred percent understand why death wish was perturbed by the layout of the logo. I'd say the death before decaf has almost a little more of a tattoo vibe. For Sure, yeah, uh, it's a little bit more artistic. Deathwish is simple to the point. The other one, I can see why you'd think it was a problem, though. I, There's I disagree
1: no there 100%. I mean, if you put Deathwish logo into Chat GPT, yeah. this is what would get spit out was their logo. Oh, for sure. Some, some intro graphics guy threw this together. It's good, don't get me wrong. Oh, I mean, it's,
2: it is what it is,
1: it is what it is. But this Death Before Decap logo at least had some thought put into it. No, it was doubt. a little bit more artistic effort put into it, also. And you see them next to each other, they don't look the same. Maybe you've got an X there, maybe you don't.
2: Yeah, and that's here's I, the thing I, I, I could, I know why they're angry. It doesn't mean that we have to think that it's worth doing it, but as a brand protection, I know why they're doing it. I don't. I don't see what the point is, but you know, whatever. I just so. want to draw
0: attention to something I just brought up on my computer. And sure. If if you're listening to this and you know this logo, you've been in Coffee as long as I have. This is the Espresso Parts logo that's literally say. been around for like 15 years. Oh wow. So if I were Espresso Parts, I'd be suing both brands. <laughs> like they oh, yeah. it's a total like you've got the portafilter and the wrench in the in the X. And then you've got the skull has like a little handle on it, like it's a mug. Right? A skull mug. I
2: want a skull cup like
0: this. Like this has been around forever. This was one of the first like branding elements that I remember. And I remember the mm-hmm, first time I saw this, sure. so I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever!" You know, like. And they're just recycling something. Espresso parts, one of the most recognizable brands in specialty coffee for yeah. decades now, has been doing forever. So it's like, and looking
1: at that logo, I'm so tired of it. Like Espresso Parts has more of a um, analogous setup to this death before decaf than death wish does sure um 100% there the only thing i have to uh point out here is the article's good it points out everything we just said there's nothing new in there but this is the the lawsuit is based on this phrase here death before decaf is free riding on death wish coffee's goodwill and reputation ooh them's like uh, the reputation them's them some fighting words there yeah
0: here. yeah let's talk let's not talk about
1: death wish's reputation and I have to get in here, one thing, because knowing a little bit about trademark and logos, the argument has to be made that whatever brand you are suing or saying stole your your idea there has to have significant, um, shoot, what was the word? It just came into my friend. I lost the word. It just came into my mind there.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, what, the general. What is it? Yeah, like the intent general intent
1: or intent. That's intent, the word. Yeah, it has yeah. to have the intent that's a for word. the same idea there. Sure. And I don't think this meets it at all. I would be surprised if this even made it to a court. Well, it's inter- they, I, I mean, I like. I don't want to
0: argue on behalf of either one of these brands because, what on earth? Like, <laughs> <laughs> death wish, death before decaf, like. The whole Death Wish thing about caffeine is about caffeine. So Death For sure. Before Decaf, also about caffeine. Okay. Which, like, forget you both. Like, honestly, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really good decaf and a lot of people who need it. So, like, what is wrong with you? Can you tell I just but, get
1: fired up about the, the graphics, though?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, 100%. So, yeah. It's, it's worth comparing, and, and there are probably multiple antecedent, like, <laughs> like examples, we could keep going back like thirty years to the post, skull and crossbones. Post them in comments if you have. Yeah, them. exactly. If, if, you've all the links. if you've ever seen skull and crossbones in coffee, like send it to us because we there are probably infinite examples. So oh, there has to be. So we're talking about like two, you know, pretty large brands. We're talking about espresso parts, huge brand. Um, so let's get into what I think is a little bit of. Maybe a ridiculous branding stunt by a coffee company and and maybe other ways that coffee gets used for branding that is maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Who is it for? Um, In <laughs> August, in August of 2023, New Balance. So the shoe company released a version of their Fresh Foam 1080 co-branded with Blue Bottle Coffee. Uh, sporting Blue Bottle's signature white and blue with a stitched version of the Blue Bottle logo on the back of the heel. The shoes sell for $179.99 and are part of a line of 12 iterations of the 1080s. I just like full disclosure have worn New Balance since I was 15 years old. They're the only running shoes that fit my feet right. I just went to Fleet Feet and got new ones. I tried on the 1080s. They're pretty awesome, but I'm not used to foam. So I end up with the 880s, blah, 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 blah. Um, so
2: you've been an old man since you were 15. Listen, it's the <laughs> white dad
0: uniform. All right. That's what New Balance is. If you guys are not in uniform. <laughs> so yeah. No, I, here's what's funny is the first pair of New Balance I ever bought were, um, were cross-country spikes so i didn't even know they had casual shoes right and then so when i start seeing people wearing new balance i'm like oh they expanded into casual shoes (laughs) it's like no or i I didn't know all these people run i just (laughs) grew up in nebraska i guess so honestly guys blue
1: bottle new balance
0: who is this for i i
1: i closed my eyes and put my phone down when i saw this it being a Blue Bottle fan, because I remember when they only had one or two shops.
2: Like, yeah, I do. I do too. I remember when I remember, you know, it was the the legend of it. You know, out they were they know, were the, East the coffee
1: brand. Yeah, and they they lived up to it. I have their their cookbook, and it's still excellent. You can pull recipes out of there, and it was a whole thing about how these recipes paired with their coffee. Um, you know, I'm not big one for names, but whoever the owner was. Guys, know off the nah, top? Nah,
2: not off the top. His of my
0: first head. name is James, and his last name will come to me an hour from now. It's not Hoffman. It's, it's not. <laughs> I think it's
2: <laughs> but, James Nestle or something like that. But um, um, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to remember. Did they Did they buy his last name too? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they can buy whatever they want.
1: <laughs> but it, it was super authentic. He did a whole woodneck woodneck pour over. Um, he described why he was using the coffee he was using. It was a great experience.
2: Yeah, and that, here's the thing: like I, I am. I am definitely a target audience for that kind of thing. I'm not a, like, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, a, a sneaker chaser when it comes to all that stuff. But I really like those kind of things. I like those weird collaborations. There was one that was recently, it was like, you know, the, the you know, the gif of like uh, Simpsons Homer going into the bush. Somebody made sneakers with that on the back. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, I really want to spend hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> yeah, yeah. on these walking shoes that have this thing on there. So I am I am susceptible to that kind of marketing, but at this point in their life cycle, is that the brand I want to represent? No. Oh,
1: and I might argue that's a completely different branding option there. Oh sure. Like this is I feel like this is one of those things where you look at the sneakers and they expect you to take this seriously. Yeah. Whereas Homer Simpson on the back of his shoes is like, Hey, look, isn't this cute? I found this thing. I, I, t- I
2: take it seriously. I take every joke seriously. <laughs> See, but that's gotta it. Ruin this the isn't joke. An, it the this is a joke. I don't
0: right? think this is a joke. You're wearing new balance. You know, you're yeah. either ruining the joke or telling a really corny joke. James Freeman, by the way. Yeah. Yes, oh, James Freeman. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so the other thing I have to say is in my, my blue bottle phase and I haven't had their coffee in a while. I'd be interested if it's still holding up there. Been a long time. But um I had a a great beanie. It was black, had the little blue bottle on it. I loved it. My wife loved it. People I knew was like, "Oh, you went to Blue Bottle?" I'm like, "Yeah, this picked this up. It was great." Every other person thought I had a wine bottle on my hat. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so that's what it looks like. Yeah. You know, perfect example of, you know, branding fail almost there as well, but you know, to the in crowd it was it was that signal which was neat. I don't know if this hits the same mark though.
0: Well, beanies and beanies are, you know, they're, they're right in the middle of your forehead. People are walking up to you. They see it. If they recognize it, I mean, who hasn't or doesn't have like several friends who own ugly duck beanies here in Rochester, you know, like it's just no doubt iconic for Rochester. uh, And they, you know, that is a very common, commonly branded coffee piece of coffee, merch, this is a line of shoes. <laughs> Chris's well, Chris's mouth just like his did you jaw just, just pull dropped. It up? He pulled yeah. it up. No, that's I what po- I said. I just pulled it up. It's I, also
2: a hundred and eighty dollars for a shoe that has no overt, like it has the logo on the back, on the heel, yeah, and a generic <laughs> side. hundred and eighty dollars. So, so short answer, no. Um, long answer. It actually looked pretty good, but like at hundred eighty dollars, like you're paying. Because those are seventy, they're seventy five dollars sneakers.
1: Well, and let's just like also otherwise. point out they're white. I so. I think the
0: fresh foam are a little more expensive. Are they a little more? Yeah, is yeah, it like a yeah. hundred now? Yeah, the ten eighties, depending on where you get them. Okay, but even gonna, so, they're going to be pricier.
2: But like, that's wild for <laughs> so, what that is.
0: So here's a good one. I I take this from Aaron's notes, and I'm not trying to like steal your thunder, Aaron. But like, this is the best. Like, Aaron wrote, "Has Starbucks done this?" <laughs> <laughs> like what Starbucks does? Starbucks has branded the life out of everything. Do you remember yeah. when? And I don't know if this is still a thing, but I remember when you could buy CDs that were like, "This is what the oh, music the that they play music. in Starbucks." <laughs> like, do, and, and it me, was literally like, like, all, like all due respect, Taylor Swift and stuff, like that. You could like find popularly. You didn't need because the you Starbucks wanted to be CD. with the brand. It was right. all about the experience. But did they ever do the Starbucks line of? Sneakers. Like Adidas or Asics,
1: like like what? Now I have to say, if it was a green and black setup like that, I might be drawn in.
2: So it looks like I'm right. not there, putting Starbucks on my feet. <laughs> it looks like there's a lot of let's say not authentic, not, authentic. <laughs> um, not <laughs> licensed. But there's, there's some, a black market for this. Th- there's some real. We're we're talking some truly hideous shoes that were that were made i'm sending you guys a link i need a brief reaction so i I know we're coming up to the end of this but i just sent you guys a link so you have to look at these and just give me just the brief honest quick reaction to your to your text so it's on your phone
1: okay while we're uh while we're bringing this up here if you haven't seen it there is actually an article and a controversy over when starbucks did change their logo Oh, yeah, old, yeah. The old logo with the siren in the circle and was a full logo <laughs> going to uh, when they broke out the siren because of their company there. Yeah. It's actually quite fascinating Ooh. from a graphics standpoint. <laughs> Dude, these are hot. Right? They, <laughs> these are hot. They, they I mean, can't
0: get over the swoosh. That right. That's just like a mess of Starbucks logos. Oh my! That like this feels like what oh, Starbucks would do. I didn't even realize
2: that. I thought it was
1: like a camo pattern.
2: No, it's like it's it's a double
1: ripoff. That's how bad it is. And you can get your name on it, just like your cup, just like your regular Jordans.
2: So it's a full ripoff of. Jordan 1's and the Starbucks logo all in one. They're like, how many giant corporations can we get sued by in one product that we're trying to make all at the same time? If
0: you're trying to make news, <laughs> that would do it. That would do it. You got sued by Michael Jordan, you got sued by Nike, you got sued by Starbucks.
2: Yeah. Other than that, I'm sure you got the greatest oh, lawyers man, in the world. That's Could you so put together fun.
1: a coffee outfit that would misdirect people into thinking you had like the coolest streetwear?
2: oh absolutely no you could definitely do that but like i i think this is but this this is the kind of stuff we're talking about this is the culture that's starting to come up around all this stuff exactly like the brands that are coming up are becoming part of culture like blue bottle is legit big enough now where it is not it's not the thing that's the in anymore now it's the now it's the every store has a blue bottle same Um, with intelligentsia mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. There's a bag you can get an intelligentsia in almost any grocery store in the country. Yeah. And a blue bottle as well and stuff like that. So, what does that brand mean now versus what it meant when you went sure. earlier, when I went to the Ferry Plaza market when they probably had five? Like, it means a lot different than it does now, but that's the evolution of brands as well. And that's something we all have to pay attention to is what is your, like, if you're running something, what does your brand mean now? In the life cycle of what your customers understand it to be, what you understand yourself to be, um, it changes, and you have to be ready for that perception to change, and then drive it in the way that's the right way for your, for your company, and also for your customers. But that's that's a great example. We're talking about all this stuff. We're treating them like they're you know the the giant corporation because they are. Yeah. But yeah, they weren't. Absolutely. They yeah. worked twelve years ago. Yes. Um, and that's that's the biggest difference. We're talking about a company that we thought was that was amazing. That was uh, a hell of a and thing. And it's
1: still the uh, it's the whole sellout scenario. You know, yeah. did Blue Bottle sell out? Yeah, in some ways they did. You know, they're much bigger than they were. They're carried in a whole bunch of grocery stores now.
0: Well, in their story specifically, but, where they got like forty million dollars of VC investment, and then immediately got flipped and sold to Nestle, right? Like, and now they're part of the Nestle portfolio. So they're making money for people whose money makes them money, you know what I like? And so like, that's part of the blue bottle story. If you've been on the inside of the industry, you know? And so like, it's our perception way before this, I was like, like blue bottle, you know, James Freeman, be rich. Fine. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily get as excited about your coffee anymore right? because I know where that dollar's going and yeah. And like with Starbucks, like, now your brand is union busting and your brand is your former CEO ran for president. Like right? what? Yep. You guys fell way off the rails. So like I'm, I'm not, you know, unionized stores maybe, but I'm not enthused about
1: well, giving my money. And at, the Starbucks. Other thing, at least related to coffee and some other places, once you get that big where you're doing this type of thing, you can't quality control what's going on. So yeah,
2: for sure.
0: And, And I think, like, that was one of the most interesting conversations I had when Blue Bottle first got sold to Nestle. It was with one of the managers of one of the New York City cafes, and they were certain the quality wasn't going to drop. And um, I just think that everyone kind of knew, like, yeah, the control is gone. Like, what what kinds of controls do you actually have on that? So, uh, I think... This is a pretty good place to leave this conversation because we're getting into yeah. much deeper, much bigger, wider issues in the industry. So thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to producer Chris Lindstrom, the Food About Town Studios. Special thanks to our sponsor, Nominate Meals and the Lunch Door Podcast Network. If you like the show, you can find us on Substack or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends to listen. Thanks to my co-host, Aaron Pescucci. You can find us on Instagram at levelup.wny. Please reach out with any questions or requests for future episodes. You can DM us and someone will read it. Enjoy your coffee.
2: This has been a presentation of the Luncheon Podcast Network. Drink coffee at night.